0: Good morning everybody. Buenos días and welcome to the Metro Region of the Los Angeles International Church of Christ. It's great to be together this morning and uh we're doing things a little different again this morning cuz uh uh for more reasons than I want to go into, we are uh shooting out of our our Studio A. You know, we now have two studios at Metro Vision, Studio A and Studio B. And uh so I'm sitting down, which is always a little funny sitting down and preaching a sermon, but Anyways, good morning. Good to have you with us this morning. I want to welcome you, uh, members, family of the metro regents. Good to have you. Good to be together. Uh, family of the family and friends and neighbors and coworkers. Great to have you with us this morning. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we look forward to our time together this morning. Uh, already, it's been a great time of worship, I'm sure, and um, I'm saying that by faith because I'm. Uh, in the studio, but, uh, but I know we've just been having such a great time, such great times of worship and communion and, and really, despite the pandemic, despite all that's happening, uh, we've been able to have great times of worship on Sunday mornings. And I'm so thankful for all of you who come in and, and, uh, you know, with our masks and everything, and you know we, we're we're going to top level protocols now. Everybody gets screened before they come in the building. And they have to wait outside. So it's a lot of work, and especially to our crew, uh, Turnwall and and Matthew Sanchez and Priya and and all the, the those that have come in that, and, and helped out. Um, so grateful, guys, for for the the whole team. I, I probably left somebody out, and forgive me. But uh, we are grateful, grateful for all the hard work that's being done. So as we begin, let's go ahead and set our hearts uh, for for hearing the message. But also, we want to keep in mind uh, the 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 people that are uh, contracting COVID nineteen. There's so many more people. My understanding is that we're at record highs now. And, and, uh, this is a very serious thing. So let's go to God in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for, um, just being our God, being available, uh, being here right now with us. Father, help us to understand that your spirit is moving, uh, amongst us, in us, around us. Father, help us to understand how much you care about us and, uh, father that you are watching and because you care, because you love You are moving in our lives. You are working in our lives. Help us now, Father, uh, to open up our hearts and minds to learning from your word, to growing and being strong spiritually, Father, so that we can be a light to the world. Father, we know our world is in a lot of trouble right now. There's so many uh, things that have come to the surface, things that have been around a long time and things that are new. And we pray, Father, that. You would help us to get through these difficult times. We pray especially, Father, for those who are sick, those who are in the hospital, those uh, who have passed their families. Uh, Be with them and, and comfort them and help the whole world, God, to turn to you. Help us as a nation. Help us as a church, Father, to be closer to you and depend on you and have our eyes fixed on Jesus. God, we love you. And ask you, bless our time to study the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So our topic today is Jesus and the kingdom of God. Now, in one sense, you know, kingdom of God is the most basic level of study anybody could do. Um, It is the foundation, right? The kingdom of God. And yet it's funny to me because... um, it's also one of those things we have a hard time defining sometimes and really understanding exactly how does the kingdom of God and earth and the church and interact and all that kind of stuff and 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 how important is this and do we talk about it enough and are we aware about of it and um I think you know with all things considered as happening the definitely the spirit of God put it on my heart to focus on the kingdom of God at least today so join me in our, in our study as we study out the kingdom of God, and and I and I will say this from the beginning: this is a huge subject, something that really we probably could do four sermons on. Um, so don't I'm not gonna. It's not gonna be comprehensive study, but we're gonna touch some things that I think are incredibly important. Um, we'll begin with Isaiah, who prophesied much about the kingdom of God and the coming of the kingdom, and Isaiah, you know, was a prophet um, who was preparing the way for the people. And, and like any prophecy, there's always some things that apply to the person that's listening at the time. There are some things that apply uh, just generally, you know, and, and, and for all time. And there are some things that apply specifically to later times. And that's the way kind of prophecies work. And you'll see that in this as we read prophecies about the kingdom, and then we move into scriptures about the kingdom. So... In Isaiah 9, 6, and this is scripture we hear, especially around Christmas. Actually, it's funny. I've, I've read the scripture because it's applied to the last several lessons. But it says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Shalom, or Prince of Peace. We usually hear that on Christmas. And, 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 and what's important to, to realize about what we just read is he says that a child will be born, a son will be given, and it will be on him to govern. The government will be on his shoulders to rule, to be the king, right? And, and he will be called the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, which, okay, they're just, I gotta point it out. You don't call anybody God in this world unless they are God. Jesus is called mighty God. Everlasting Father and Prince of Shalom, which we know all about Shalom now, right? It says of the greatness of his government. What? He's going to have a government? Yeah. It's called a monarchy and he's the king. The greatness of his government and peace or Shalom, there will be no end. I mean, that's awesome. You know, we, we, you know, people for thousands of years have complained about government and about leadership. You know, oh, the government, there's the government, that. There's nothing new under the sun. I mean, as people complain right now, they complained 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 1,500 years ago, 10,000 years ago. Why? Because government is full of problems. Why? Because it's led by people, and people are full of problems. And But not Jesus. is his of the greatness of his government. And peace. There will be no end. I mean, his government's going to be awesome. Incredible. Amazing. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. Establishing and upholding it with justice, righteousness from that time on forever. He will establish it. He will establish a new government. Or what we would call a new kingdom. And uphold it with what? With justice. That things will be fair, they'll be just. With righteousness, The things are going to be right. Why are people marching and so angry right now? Because things aren't just. Because there's injustice. Because things aren't fair. Because things aren't right. But his government will be just and it will be right. It will be right. And that feeling that so many people today are feeling, the angst and the frustration and the bitterness and the, ah, that people are feeling that are causing them to march or causing them to write letters or causing them to rant on Facebook or causing them to just go to bed, exhausted emotionally because of all the problems out there. That's not going to happen with his government, not with this government. This this government. He will establish and he will hold it with justice and with righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. God Himself will make this happen. He will bring this about. That's pretty awesome. I mean, imagine if if Isaiah showed up and he said that. Look, what God is gonna do, He's gonna set it all right. And There's not going to be injustice. There's not going to be racial inequality or the rich oppressing the poor or, or the powerful oppressing the weak or any of that stuff. There will be righteousness. There will be fairness. All these people heard this, and it gave them a vision of what was to come. And there were many things he said. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, He says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him and the spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And I love this because always in these prophecies, there's these little hidden gems. I'm just going to point out one I thought was really cool in the Hebrew you know, we know who Jesse is, right? Jesse is the father of David. And Jesus is the son is a son of David, right? And he gives us a little a little hint and there's these are scattered throughout the whole scriptures. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. He's called the branch or the shoot. Sometimes some versions say a shoot will bear fruit. A shoot in Hebrew is a netzer. Now, later on, uh, we find out that Jesus, it says, and the scripture said, and he went and lived in the town called Nazareth, so fulf- so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, this is in Matthew, that he would be called a Nazarene. A Nazarene is called a Nazareth. So the Nazareth, very close. And remember, people didn't read these things before, they heard them preach. So, from his roots, a Nazareth will, be, will bear fruit. A Nazareth, Nazareth is what Jesus was called. Somebody from Nazareth. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. God's spirit will be working through this person that will rise up from Jesse. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees. He He will not judge by what he sees. Excuse me. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness, he will judge the needy with justice. He will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He's not going to be fooled. Nobody's going to fool him. You can try to make things look right. He will see through it. You can try to make an argument that sounds right. He will understand through it because he will judge with righteousness and with justice. This is what everybody wants. What everybody reasonable. I mean, I know there's some people that that are extremist and they want extreme things they are never going to happen. But most people just want what's right and what's fair and what's just and that's what Jesus will bring. With righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. And in particular, for the needy and the poor, who are the ones who suffer when things are not just and when things are not right. We all suffer when something's not just. I mean, if something happens and, you know, there, there, uh, I love there was an article I read by Steve Kennard and he started out talking about a soccer game and how in this soccer game, um, there was clearly a bad call. I, I don't remember the exact situation. I think the guy was off sides and he goes in and he kicks it in the, in the net. And, you know, it looks like he scored a goal, but the fact was he was offsides. It shouldn't have counted. And because of that goal, they won. And the crowd went nuts because it was wrong. The guy was clearly offsides. It was a bad call. It was not fair. And people were so angry. And this is a sports game. People get angry when things aren't just, when things aren't right. And, and it, it's in us, it's in our fiber. I believe it's because we're made in God's image. And we expect things to be done right, and to be just, and to be fair. We expect that. It's in our nature because we are made in the image of God. So yes, it bothers us. Yes, it makes us mad. And, and particularly when injustice is hurting somebody. And particularly when somebody we care about and... So he says, this king will get things right. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. He's going to deal with things. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. He will not let anybody get away with anything. Part of what makes people angry is when they feel like somebody's getting away with something. We felt it. We watched the news and we're like, ah. We've all felt that for different reasons and even from different political perspectives. But we have felt like, does anybody see what's happening here? We felt that. He sees it. Righteousness will be his belt. is going to keep everything together. The faithfulness, the sash around his waist. He's not going to despair. He's not going to get bitter. He's not, going to be, he's not going to be just losing his temper. He's faithful. He knows all things will be made right. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear and their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like an ox. In other words, there won't be the powerful victimizing the weak. There won't be those hunting each other down. Not in his government. Not in his kingdom. We will all respect each other. We will not devour each other. We will not destroy each other. We will not hurt one another. Like so often happens in our world. No. The calf and the lion are going to be together. Child will lead them. The the cow and the bear The lion will eat straw like the ox. Now, I'm hoping that doesn't mean in the kingdom, in the future, in the kingdom of God, we'll all be vegetarians. I hope not, but you know, we'll see. The infant will play near the cobra's den and the young child will put its hand in the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. And, and, and we know that mountains were used as an analogy of the kingdom of God. He says, they will not harm. They will not destroy, not on my holy mountain. You know, the amazing thing, you know, and he says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea in that day, the root of Jesse, the root of Jesse, the Natsri or the Nazareth, <laughs> will stand as a banner for all the peoples and the nations will rally to him or as the same word nations, it, it actually means foreigners, people from all over the world Or as it says in Matthew twenty, the Pantata ethnos, all the ethnicities will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. And this was the root of Jesse. Remember in Ruth 417, the women living there said, Naomi has a son and they named him Obed and he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And they will bear a root. They will bear a child. And he will be called the Nazarene or the Natret. That's our Lord Jesus. And he will establish his own government. I love that. That's the key. This is a vision that is being given of God's kingdom. Of what it will be like in his kingdom. You know, when the prophets preached these things. And then hundreds of years, nothing happened. And, but people were aware and they read these scriptures. They read them every time they got together in the synagogue and they watched and they waited for the Messiah to come to establish this kingdom. How exciting would that be? I mean, this is the basic need of everybody. Everybody wants to be part of something that's fair and right and good, where they feel respected, where there's, where that's what everybody wants. That's just a basic human need. We all want that. We want to be happy. I mean, it's in our it's in our it's in our constitution the right to pursue happiness, right? Then all of a sudden comes the time of Jesus, and in Matthew 3 we read In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come, has come near, excuse me. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. So all of a sudden this wild prophet, John the Baptist starts preaching that the King is coming. The the kingdom of heaven is near. You know, that would catch everybody's That's the kingdom that we've been hearing about for hundreds of years. The promise of God. For a better life, a better place, a better kingdom. And, and, and this is, this is, this is, it's introducing John the Baptist. Said, this is who Isaiah talked about the guy that would be sent to prepare the way of the king. See, anytime a king traveled, he would send a, a, someone who would prepare the way. And he would go out ahead. Of the king, he'd make sure the roads were clear. Roads, roads were oftentimes in ancient times they were grooves where the the wheels of the cart would go, and those grooves had to be kept clean and and free. You know, they they couldn't be filled with junk, and so the 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 preparer, the one who who had the role of John the Baptist, but in a, in a kingdom in an earthly kingdom, would go and make sure the roads clear, nothing's blocking the road, and then the king would come. So this was John the Baptist's role, prepare the way, the preparer. So he comes. And what is interesting thing is he doesn't just say the kingdom is coming. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's, 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 it's here. It's arriving. But the first thing he says is repent. And, and the word in Hebrew or Aramaic is shuv, which is turn to God. Turn and face God. In, in the Spanish, Dios Habla Hoy Bible, it doesn't even use the word repent. It says, turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Or we know in Greek, metanoia, right? Repent, change your mind for the kingdom of heaven is near. I like the Hebrew version even better because it's more specific about turning to God. Humble yourself and turn to your God because the kingdom is coming to a town near you. And Matthew 4 says, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth where he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. What's that light? It's the kingdom of God. On those living in the land of shadow of death, a light has dawned. It's Jesus. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach what? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Get it right. Get yourself ready, because the kingdom of heaven is near. I mean, basically, there. this is like, like the best. You know, You know, before when you go to the movies, you see all the previews, and they get you excited about what's coming. This is like the best preview. John the Baptist was the preview, and now even Jesus picks up his message. And when John was put in jail, Jesus starts preaching the same thing: repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. It's coming. I always, I love you know it's it's, it's funny because when I when I was a kid, and I ever every time I read the word repent, I always heard this like Baptist preacher's voice or something say repent, repent, you know, and I never knew what that meant. And in fact, I remember we even joking with my cousins, hey, repent, you know, I had no idea what it meant until later, what does it mean? Turn to God, stop what you're doing, turn to God because the kingdom of heaven is near. In John 18, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. To make sure it's clearly understood because people thought that like David, or like the Maccabees, that the kingdom would be brought in by a warrior king who'd come riding in with an army and kick out all those stinking Romans, just like what the Maccabees tried to do with the Greeks, what they were trying to do. They were expecting another Maccabee, another David to come in and establish a kingdom. But Jesus said, no, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Right now, it's not a physical kingdom. Right now, it's a spiritual kingdom. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. Not not everybody's going to get this. Not everybody's going to understand The king, the Messiah, the kingdom, all that stuff. And I I mean, truth be told, most people won't. But people who are hungering for the truth, they will. They'll get it. What the things that Jesus said will resonate with them. We're not here to convince people. We're here to persuade them to respond to the truth. The truth is what calls people out. In Luke 17, 20, once being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, because of course everybody want to know, you've been saying the kingdom is near, when's it going to be here? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Normal people say here it is or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is in your midst. It's not something that you can analyze and look at it in a microscope or a telescope or, or that you can see or see there they are. Well, that's the group right there. Or see them. There's the Kingdom Hall. There they are. No, it's not something you can see. It's not something that can be observed. And you can't say here it is or there it is or where the it or there it, because it's in your midst. Now, What does that mean? Well, there's two different meanings to this word. the The word is entos. That's the word I have there in Greek. And and here's the interesting thing. It can be translated either midst, as in Within it's it's in our, it's right here with us, or it could be translated within you. So some of your translations say the kingdom of God is within you. And some of your translations say the kingdom of God is in your midst. And some of them even might say the kingdom of God is among you. It's here. You don't see it. It's not that kind of kingdom. It's here though. It's in the midst. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's where God's rule reigns. It's where God is king. That happens in your heart. That happens in your mind. That's in you. That happens in the church when we're all obeying God, when we're all doing God's will. That happens with any group of people that submit themselves to the king and make Jesus Lord, make Jesus king. Then you're in his kingdom. But but hold on. It's not easy to get in. Matthew 19, Jesus said to the disciples, I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh oh. Who's rich? Well, I know some rich people. Yeah, I know rich people. All of us are rich. Listen, I've traveled around the world. Most of the world doesn't have half of what we have. Even the poor among us have a lot more than the poor of the world. We're rich. So we have to take warning with this. we got to really pay attention to this. He says, I tell you, it's hard for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. This is a scary scripture. This is scary scripture. It should put a little fear in all of us. Does me. Am I hanging on to stuff? You know, we had a children's book that we used to read to our kids. And, you know, there's debate over exactly, was this is this purely analogy, you know, of trying to put a you know camel through the eye of a needle? Obviously, that's no way you're going to do that. Or some say that there was a gate in the side of Jerusalem that was called the needle, the eye of the needle. And the thing about it, it was just a little tiny gate. And you could not bring, you could get a camel through it, but you couldn't get a camel That was loaded down with goods. So a merchant. Would have to take off all the goods. Off the camel. Squeeze the camel through. In other words. He'd have to let go of everything. A lot of people aren't willing. To let go of things. A lot of people. So we get so caught up. In the things we have. In materialism. And which goes along very closely. With why it's so hard. For a rich person to enter. They have more to give up. They have more to let go of. And that's the one good thing about being poor. <laughs> is you have less to let go of. When disciples heard this. They were greatly astonished. And asked. Who then can be saved? You ever felt that way? I felt that. Man sometimes. I mean I know it's hard to get in the kingdom of God. Can anybody do it? That's what they found. They're just being honest. Just being real Jesus. Yeah, it's this was tough. And he goes on, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. Oh, great answer, Jesus. <laughs> I'm looking for you to encourage me. Well, hold on. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Peter answered him, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said to him, said to them, Truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on the glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. It, it sometimes it does seem too hard. Can anybody do this? Jesus says, no. <laughs> the answer no, it's impossible for you to do this. But with God all things are possible. I I learned this a, a while ago. Big lesson here. You cannot be godly without God. You cannot be Christ-like without Jesus. You cannot even be good without God's help. We need God every second of the day. And he's the one that will get us into the kingdom. And he's the one that helps us stay in the kingdom. And Peter, you know, bless his heart, Peter, he's always asking the questions that nobody else wants to ask. Thank God he asks him. He says, Jesus, we left everything for you. And Jesus tells him, don't worry. You'll get everything back. You know, on that judgment day, You're going to be so fired up because you played by the rules, because you followed Jesus, because you gave it up to do right, to do justice, to be a righteous person, and you didn't give in to the world, but you kept your eyes on Jesus, and you kept yourself kingdom-minded, kingdom-minded. There's a story I read of this Chinese woman. Her whole life, she had trained to be in the Olympics. And, you know, in China, it's a pretty big deal to be a national athlete. And she was one of those speed walkers. And during the Olympics, it was down to the finals, the final race. And she was in first place and she was walking and she was getting tired. And she could hear somebody coming up behind her. And she was so tempted to pick up the speed, but she knew, you see, the rules are you can't have your foot off the ground. You can't have both feet off the ground. That's a violation. And you get a strike. Three strikes and you're disqualified. So you have to have one foot on the ground at all times. Otherwise, you're not walking, you're running. And so she's walking as fast as she can. She's exhausted. And she's tempted to pick it up, but she knows if she picks it up, both feet will come off the ground. And she knew that she'd already accidentally done that at least a couple of times. So one more strike, she'd be done. She'd be disqualified. And so she didn't, she resisted the temptation. And sure enough, this woman caught up with her and passed her. And suddenly her gold medal becomes a silver medal. And she's so disappointed, but she keeps pushing But then to her shock and horror, there was another woman behind that woman. And that woman passes her. And suddenly now she's not only a gold, it's not even a silver, it's a bronze medal. And she's already, her heart is breaking and she doesn't want to quit. And she but she's so tempted to cheat. She knows if she just picks it up a little more, she could probably catch them, but she'd probably have both feet off the ground. And she doesn't do it. She keeps her honor. She crosses. She gets a, what she thinks is going to be a bronze medal. But after the race is over, the announcement's made, and she is the winner. Why? Because the other two had violated the rules multiple times and were disqualified. Can you imagine her joy and her excitement? That's what we're going to feel on Judgment Day. I did it. I hung in there. I didn't give in to temptation. The kingdom of God. In Matthew 19, Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. He's talking to the Pharisees and the tax, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. That's intense. That's intense. We think sometimes being religious means one thing, but in reality, to Jesus, it's something very different. It's the humility to let go of the world, to let go of this kingdom and take on God's kingdom and to submit ourselves fully to him, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. And he warns the Pharisees and the, and the experts in the law, there'll be people there ahead of you. Because of their hearts devoted to God's kingdom. And Mark 10:15 says, "Truly I tell you anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Which is a clue of the attitude we have to have. Like a child, child, children, child, children, they, they just believe. they believe. You can tell them stories and they just believe. They're not full of all this baggage and resentment and bitterness and and suspicion and criticalness and and they're just not. They're still open-minded. They're still teachable. They'll still they admit when they're wrong. They 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 they're moldable. Are they perfect? If you know a child, you know they're not. <laughs> but they're very teachable, and they're very moldable. And they love to love and to be loved. That's what it's going to take. That's what it takes for us to be in this kingdom. To allow God to mold us and teach us. In Luke 9, 62, Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You can't be half-hearted about the kingdom. You can't be double-minded. You can't be, well, I'm going to be devoted to the kingdom and devoted to my world. Mm Mm-mm. You're the devoted to the kingdom, 100%. Now, looking back, you know, there's. I've, I've joked about times where I've just like gotten so angry about something. I said, can I just take a time out? Just time out, step out of the kingdom, be worldly, and then come back. Nope, can't do it. Can I just be a little worldly? Nope. Can I just be worldly in my taxes? Nope. Can I be just worldly with this person? Nope. No, there's... One way to go forward. Keep your eyes on the prize. No looking back. In Luke 10 verse 8-3 says, When you enter a town, and, and you understand Jesus was sending him out. With what message? Believe in Jesus and come to church at 10 a.m. on Sunday? No. This was the message. So whenever you go into town, welcome, eat what is offered to you, heal the sick who are there, tell them what? Come to Bible Talk? Come to church? Join my group? Nope. The kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of the town I wipe off your feet as a warning. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day for Sodom than for that town. So big this kingdom is. It's how important this kingdom is. Anybody who rejects it will be rejected. This is awesome. This is top priority. In Matthew 13:44 he says, "The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field." The king again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Do you understand how valuable this is? This is huge. This kingdom God has set up for us, to help us. It's worth more than everything we've got in this world. And the truth is, it is like a treasure hidden in a field. Most people walk right by it and don't even know it's there. And lots of people reject it. You see, you have to have eyes that can see, ears that can hear. Jesus warned us, He quoted the prophet Isaiah, "They will be seeing but never perceiving, hearing but never understanding." Those are the people who reject the kingdom. We've got to be the ones that understand. This kingdom that we are a part of is incredibly valuable. Now how do we interface with the world well, when we interface with each other? When we interface with God, when we interface with Jesus, when we interface with each other, when we interface with the church. Well, Robert, I thought the church wasn't the kingdom. The church is part of the kingdom. It's not the entire kingdom. It's a colony of the kingdom. Well, the church isn't perfect, no, but the kingdom is. And we work towards that. That's why we pray. That's why Jesus told us to pray. That his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That his kingdom be established. That it's here among us. We have a vision, right? We have this vision of the kingdom of God. We have our own vision. We shared it. We came up with a vision a few months, just a few months ago. Here's our vision. I'm going to read it back to you again. A church led by humble, spiritual, strong leaders. A church with great worship, where the members all walk with God and are driven by faith and unified by purpose, where mutual respect permeates the fellowship as we help each other get to heaven, where love is easily seen, felt, and experienced. A church where personal conviction is high and grace is abundant, where renewal is constant and conflicts are resolved spiritually. A church where everyone serves, gives generously, and is fruitful a church where there's great dating great teens great campus and singles ministries where marriages and families thrive and shine a church that has a great kingdom kids ministry giving all children hope a church that serves the community and takes care of each other having no needy among ourselves a church where our children become christians and feel proud of this family a church with strong women's and men a church with strong women's and men's ministries. A church that continually raises up new young and older leaders and is able to send out trained leaders to start new churches and new ministries. A church abundant in faith, fruit and fun. That's our vision. That vision totally lines up with the vision that Isaiah gave of the kingdom of God. What are we describing here? The kingdom of God. That's what's in front of us, guys. That's what God is trying to do here. Why did Michelle and I come here? Why did we choose LA? We had other options, great options, I will say, because we believe that God wants to do something special here. We believe completely, wholeheartedly that God's going to do something special in the metro region. And that his kingdom is going to shine here. Are we there yet? Obviously not. We're on our way. We're marching along and we will get there. Are we there right now? No, I mean, we know that. But you have to understand, you're part of something so incredible, so amazing, so exciting. Is it difficult? Yes. Squeezing a camel through an eye of a needle. Is it tough? Yes. Do we going to have to change? Repent. Are we going to have to let go of some things? Absolutely. Or you're not squeezing through. Is it going to be hard? Yeah. We must suffer many things to enter the kingdom of God. But is it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is worth sacrificing for. I'm inviting people to come join us because we're going to do something amazing that's going to be awesome. Why? Because God is good. Because God loves us. And in the end, here's what it says. In Revelation 11, we get to read about the end. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. In other words, Jesus took over everything. And I love it because right now the kingdom of God is within you. And Someday the kingdom of God will be obvious to everyone. Philippians 2 says, every knee will bow and say, Jesus is Lord. Every knee, that means all the atheists, the non-believers, from every religion, from every background, even Satan himself, will have to get on a knee and say, Jesus is Lord. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were seated in the thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and the one who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. On the day of Pentecost, kingdom doors were opened. And by faith and by repentance and by baptism, We were born again and allowed to be members of the kingdom of God. It's our citizenship. It's our holy nation. It's what makes us the people of God. It's an awesome thing. And it is being established on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're doing here. You know what we're doing? Why why, why are we reconciling things? Why are we trying to forgive each other, love one another. Why are we growing in all these things? Why are we striving and fixing our eyes on Jesus? Because of this. Because the world needs the kingdom of God. The world needs leadership. Jesus' leadership. And the kingdom is coming to a town near you. And we need to seek first the kingdom. And let God do what he's going to do. And we get to be part of something really special. I love asking ministries, what's your dream for your church? And then asking them, why not? Why not? God wants this. If you want this and are willing to squeeze through that eye, watch what God will do. So welcome to the kingdom of God. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. I hope this has been educational and inspiring for you. If you'd like to know more, please join us by going to study.laicc.net and we'll be happy to contact you and help you in any way we can.